welcome to the final episode of Series 9 of York Hospital Ball. This week's guest is Brian Pollard, a former England youth international who had two brilliant spells with York City. Both iconic eras as he was part of the team in 1974 that gained promotion to the old Division 2, the highest level the club have ever been at in their history, as well as playing a significant part in the 1983-84 record-breaking season in which York City became the first side to achieve over 100 points. Here Brian discusses both eras as well as his part in Watford's meteoric rise through the divisions under Graham Taylor. Before we get to the interview, a mention about our sponsor for this series, huge thank you to N&E Woodhouse Plastering, a local family-run company that have served York and the surrounding areas since the 1960s. They cover all aspects from contemporary housing to Tudor renovations using traditional methods and materials. Visit their website, woodhouseplastering.com, woodhouseplastering.com, or find them on Facebook for more details. But without further ado, and for the final time this series, please enjoy Series 9, Episode 4 with Brian Pollard. So first of all, thank you, Brian, for giving up your time to speak to us today. Finally allowing me to stop my dad asking, when am I getting Brian Pollard on, which has been the case for the last two years. And I thought we'd start this interview by thinking back to the early 1970s when you played for England Youth. How did that call-up come about? Because it's a fantastic achievement. Well, myself, Cliff Calvert and Mick Placido had started playing for the intermediate side at York. And all three of us got got invited to go for these trials. Out of that, we all got on. But the year before, I went on my own. I, I was invited on my own, and I got in to play in the last game of the season, which was against Scotland. And then the following year, the three of us went down for the trials, and we all got in. Cliff played, I played, and I think make one game out of the three. Because there was only like four games. You played Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. But yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, I, I could see that you, you scored. I think in um, in a game against uh, Wales when you when you won four 0 and that was at Swindon's County Ground. And I also saw like the likes of Phil Phil Thompson and Trevor Francis also played for England Youth around that era. And it made me sort of think: Were you one of the sort of few then that were representing a lower league club like York? And did that make it a little bit like an imposter syndrome that, that you know these other players were at these big clubs? It did a little bit, but. To be fair, we just got on with it. Like in all me, mainly in my playing career, I've never felt that my size has been a problem. And if I played for a lower club, so what? I'm still playing on the same pitch as you for 90 minutes. So I've never let that sort of bother me. And you made your York City debut in March 1972 as a 17-year-old. At York City were in the old Division 3. Tom Johnson was a manager. Uh, what do you remember about your debut and what do you remember about, about that time? First thing I can remember about the debut was getting to the ground and then to sign autographs. I'd never signed an autograph before, so it, that was quite weird. And then getting into the dressing room with all the lads, looking at the number seven shirt, and there was several telegrams in the day. That's how old we are, you see. Several <laughs> telegrams. I was nervous, really was. But credit to the older pros, like at the time that were there, they, they were all brilliant, looked after us and sort of don't be afraid to make a mistake, just 
do what you have been doing. And yeah, I enjoyed it. Quite emotional as well. And, and did you model your game on anyone in particular? And, and were you always a winger? When I was at school, my best man and my best mate, when we were at school, we, we believe it or not, we were all about the same size and we all played in the old right half, centre half, left half with two fullbacks. Why, I don't know, but it seemed to work at school. So then sort of getting on the wing was quite strange. But I must go back to my father because he played on the wing and I remember watching him quite a lot playing on the Naismeyer for um, South Bank. And I mean South Bank near the race course. That's sort of maybe how I ended up on the wing because of my size and I was, I was pretty quick over a short distance. Still am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought what we'd do now is sort of go through each of the next few seasons, really. I mean, starting with 1972-73, it was a difficult season yeah. for York City. I think they didn't win a game until October. and But December looked like a real sort of breakthrough month for you personally. I think you got your first goal against Southend in a 2-0 win. The next game you scored away at Banger in the FA Cup. And then a week later, you got a double at home to Swansea. I mean, did that sort of feel like you'd arrived, Thomas? You talked about those nerves earlier. Did that sort of make you sort of ease those nerves and think, I am a professional footballer here and I am I'm contributing? Yes, I suppose it did. I was always told by Tom when I went out on the pitch, don't be afraid to try things and do things. And if it doesn't work out, don't worry, because as long as you give in, you're best. And as I say, some of the senior pros at the time, they did their bit. They were very helpful. And, and of course, 1973-74 was an iconic season for York City because they won promotion. But I think you, you must have yeah. suffered from injuries because you sort of missed the run in there. However, you played in two games against Man City in the FA Cup. I think the first one was nil-nil and was played in the afternoon. And you scored in the replay at Main Road in a 4-1 defeat. I mean, being on the same score sheet as Rodney Marsh, who got a hat-trick and Franny Lee... That must have been a huge boost to your sort of confidence, sort of seeing your name on the same score sheet yeah. as those players. Well, I do remember that game quite well. Yeah, it was 1-1 at half-time. They had a bloke called Dennis Law, who was sub that day as well. But as you quite rightly pointed out, second half, Rodney Marks decided to turn it on a bit and nobody could live with him. You mentioned Tom Johnson as well. and He, he was a... When I was speaking of Graham Crawford recently, he was quite a funny character, wasn't he, Tom? He seemed like quite quite quirky in what Graham was telling me. What what was your relationship like with him and, and what do you remember about him? Absolutely really quirky and weird. And I remember a few things, but when we signed pro from being like amateur, you know, with the juniors and stuff like that, and occasionally the reserves, the rules of um, not being allowed to go out, sort of like we abided by them but Tom in his disbelief of us had a habit of calling round to your house to see if you were in and without going into too great a details he called round to her my parents house and there was only me in with my now wife Judy I won't go into details what Tom suggested might have been carrying on but I found that quite awkward but it was legitimately she'd just come round and she was going to get the bus home like so that's one of the memories that will always stick in my mind about Tom. And then, of course, he had a way of picking a side with Tom, particularly away from home. If you stop for a meal in them days, maybe be chicken or scrambled egg or poached eggs on toast. And if you weren't playing, you could have a dinner. He would go around and just point out, he'd just say, you can have chips. <laughs> in other words, you're not playing. <laughs> But fortunately, I wasn't one of the, I got, that got that. But I know one or two that did. I mean, that was that was Tom to a T. Oh, oh lads, will, will tell you that. 
another character that, that Graham sort of mentioned that I thought you might have had some stories as well was about Fozzie, the groundsman. What, what do you remember about him? Brian Foster. Brilliant. One of the best groundsmen that I've come across because uh, for although it wasn't the best pitch, he got the best out of it. But if Tom wanted you to go on pitch to do some training or practising and Foster decided he didn't want anybody on it, Foster said, no, you can't go on it. But he was a nice, he was a nice guy. That same season, I noticed that he scored away at Watford and then again a few years later, which we'll come on to in a bit. And so I wonder whether that sort of planted a seed for Watford. What was the injury that season then? And was it hard to take sort of seeing the club win promotion with you on the sidelines and not being part of it in the running? Yeah, in all fairness, I think it was to do with my knee. At the end of the day, it was all about us getting the promotion, which we did. So then we got into second division, didn't we? Man United were in the second division then. So 1974-75, again, you missed some of the season, I think, with injuries. But but you played at Old Trafford, you mentioned there about about Man United. Yeah. Huge crowds every week. I think you got the winner against Bristol City as well. You had a really good game against Fulham at home when sort of Bobby Moore was in their team. I mean, it must have been a great time to sort of be around the club. I mean... This is the equivalent of a championship, you know, which is oh, unprecedented yeah. for York City. Absolutely. It's not until you think back now and people will say, oh, you, you only managed to play in second division and you have to correct them and say, well, that's the same as the championship now. And some of the players we played against, of course, you mentioned Bobby Moore. I think we played against Emily News when he was at Wolves. Frank Worthington, but I can't remember where he was. And I remember playing against him. I just used to focus on my own game, if I'm absolutely honest. I think most people that probably watched the games around that time and the lads that I play with, they just tell you that. Because you have to put whoever it is beside you. At the end of the day, there's 11 players against 11. And if I was playing against the big full-back, it didn't bother me. Being a winger, you just turn to linesman and I can't tackle ref because I'm, I'm a winger. Yeah. So I used to give out as much as I probably got, if I'm honest. Not suggesting that other people do that, but you have to look after yourself. And uh, most of the side that got the promotion was quite—I thought was quite a physical side, if anything, which I thought was, would be good. And it was; it did the job. And Graham sort of talks about the fact that the, the team was quite, the squad was quite small, and you all seemed like you were quite close knit, and and there was obviously a good camaraderie and spirit around that that side. Yeah, I mean, Graham spent more time watching the game, obviously. But Graham's position, we had a keeper in, in, on Illyard. What, what, what a brilliant career he was. Oh, probably still is. If, you know, he's still alive, as far as I'm aware. So we were lucky we had a, a strong squad. Nothing like the 20-odd deep squads they have nowadays, but we pretty much, there was always some, now that if not young, there'd be some shrewd signings made. And at the end of the day, though, you're still... Look, if your name's up there, that's what you, that's what it's all about. 1975-76, you played a lot more games. The team got relegated, but Wilf McGuinness obviously had come in at this point, hadn't he? And and that was his first full season. Did he try change too much, Wilf? Yeah, Wilf, unfortunately, sadly, brought his Man United connections with him. He brought, a, was it Steve James, mid midfield player? I can't think of his name now. Yeah, he tried to change too much and... Various other players that came in, they just didn't do maybe, in a word, more talented, you might say. But they didn't fix into the side, like Tom had had it running. 
It was all about Wilf when he came. I don't know if it, this this is true, but I read about Wilf McGuinness at your twenty first birthday party in in Mallorca. He went off to get his brother from the airport, and he came back with a wig on and 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 sort of pretended he was someone else. That's absolutely spot on. That yeah. While we were there, it was my twenty first. We'd got there, and Wilf had got all the players together. Well, probably studying hotel bar, whatever it was, and he says. I don't want any trouble. Go out, enjoy yourself. You've had a so-and-so season and, and all this. And he said, we don't want any trouble. So we all went out and there was myself, Cliff Calvert and a couple of others and one or two others split up. Anyway, we'd been out a bit and then all of a sudden we seen there was a bit, a bit of bother in front, like a bit of looked like fisticuffs and what have you going on. Anyway, we walked towards it and somebody said, that's Wilf. And it was Wilf, Wilf battling with some locals who must have must have said something. It was so funny. I know he sort of goes down as a bit of an epic failure for, you, for York City, Wilf McGuinness, but, but you probably played some of your best football under him, like looking at your statistics and stuff like that. What, what was your relationship like with him? Because obviously you had a good one with Tom Johnson. I got on really well with Wilf. He would think nothing of calling around to our house, telling us to get a babysitter and taking me and Judy out on more than one occasion anyway. Always got on fine with him. He had so many stories from Manchester that I think that was maybe his problem. He couldn't let Manchester go. He was trying to ask us players to play like they, and some of us weren't up to it, to play like at their standard. Yeah, but I mean, he was a nice enough blow. Do out for you, but he just wasn't strong enough and, and he brought some... They didn't fit into the side as well. Don't mean that nasty to any of them lads. Like, they're all nice, nice blow. Yeah, well, it's interesting because that's what Graham Crawford said. He said that Tom Johnson really, he signed players based on what would fit the jigsaw. What, what would fit yeah. the kind of philosophy and the ethos of the, and the culture of the club, whereas Wilf McGuinness kind of designed them based on, you know, whether he thought they were a good player, didn't really think about how they would fit in. Absolutely spot on. And 1976-77, moving on to that, was another poor one for the club. I mean, they suffered another relegation, a double-dip one. You, you were top scorer with 12 goals. I mean, you were clubman of the year. You scored at Chef Wednesday as well in front of 22,000. You obviously were overawed by the crowds on a big occasion. No. Um, and I think you were only 22, 23 at this point. I mean, were you aware of any interest in, in your services, as it were? Because there weren't have been agents back then, will there? How did you become aware of other clubs being interested in you? Like you say, we didn't, we didn't have agents or anything like that. You just sort of got wind of it. Malcolm Huntington, the reporter at the time, he seemed to get snippets from various other other clubs and, and what have you. He would put it in the evening press that, oh, so-and-so is being linked with so-and-so. And then you would get uh, maybe a story that in the paper saying that York is short of money or what have you, and they'd be selling players on. It just it didn't come out of the blue because, as I say, there was speculation, but nothing more than that, really. I was looking to move on. I, was, I, I would have liked to have thought I could have got into the... First division, but I never got that opportunity. But I always had the ambition. Graham Taylor was involved and wanted to sign me. I think Berry was were another club at the time. And we turned up for training this day. And I'm trying to think who was in charge of us at the time. George Teasdale, the old secretary, he ran it for about five or six games because we didn't have a manager. We'd all turned in for training this day, and we'd all got ready to train and. We're going to train and he just turned to me and he said, Polly, you can stay here. Watford are coming over, they want to have a word with you. Oh, all right. In, in a few signing you. Oh, right. So they trotted off and uh, 
I mean, ran to the secretary's office and rang Judy up, my wife, and I said, uh, what for the committee to talk to me, blah, 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 if we got it, me moving down to London, but we'll wait and see what, what happens. So I thought, well, what am I going to do is jigging around the ground. And I must have been out having a jog round pitch, and Graham Taylor came and went in, we'll call it Tom Tom's old office. And I was down at the time in the boot room cleaning my boots, and I walked back up the tunnel. I mean, you, you'll know the tunnel where I mean. It, it runs parallel to the pitch. And as I was walking, Elton John came walking towards us, and he just said, uh, tell me where Graham is. And I sort of couldn't answer, and I just pointed at the wall where the door was in awe. It went off, and again, I shot to the office and rang Judy up, nervous as hell. I said, El- Elton John's here as well. Oh, what are you going to do kind of thing, you know what I mean? And uh, anyway, the rest of it is history, I suppose. Yeah, because you'd scored against them early on in the season. I think the second game of the season, you'd scored in a 3-1 win at Watford. So obviously... Kind of uh, at Watford, yeah. At Watford, yeah. Which, which kind of obviously put you on their radar, I guess. We didn't have agents or anything. You're discussing terms and that. It was strange for you know to be my first first move. If you get me drift. John Burns said uh, when he signed for QPR, he he signed a terrible contract because he didn't really have any idea about negotiating the contract and he didn't really understand about you know the the cost of living in London. Was that similar for you, or did did you get quite a decent contract from Watford? I got a good contract from Watford, to be fair. I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to, to Judy because we had two bands by this time. And uh, going down there, she was going to leave her, her dad and her brother and sisters. And it was going to be a big wrench for us. Like, I mean, I, I was going to soon meet all the players down there, but it, it was a big move. But we got in with the club and part of the scene pretty quick. So it was a no-brainer at first anyway. Your last goal for York City was against Southport and your first one for Watford was against Southport. But then you I think you scored at, at Vicarage Road in a 3-0 win over Northampton. I think there was over 15,000 there. Did you kind of realise then that the size of the club Watford were compared to York City? It must have been, you know, a really big, big thing to play at in front of crowds like that every week. Yeah, I mean, at the time, the pitch at Watford had a greyhound track round, which which was quite bizarre early but so the crowd wasn't really on top of you and the pitch where it's nothing like it is now it was a ploughed field so what Taylor did briefly he got players into doing the job to get us out of the fourth division which we did out of the third division which they did and then he moved several players on which I was one of them but that's how he worked it was all about getting up the ladder and and they proved the point they did it it was just a totally different experience to what it was at York. Again, when you were only, I think, probably about 24, 25 by this time, it, it was a lot to take in. But uh, once again, nobody's egos were bigger than anybody else's. And, you know, Elton John, he was humble to everybody because he was out of his depths. He'd not, never played. What he did for a living, we would, we would be out of our depth. Yeah. Um, and Graham Taylor, there's one thing you could say about him. He was probably the most honest person that had anything to do with football. Because if Graham didn't like you, it wouldn't stop him picking you. And if he did like you and you weren't good enough, he wouldn't pick you. I always put the side first. Because you, you met Elton John introduced you to Rod Stewart, didn't he? One of your early games for Watford. Yeah. What it was, was I'd made, I 
think I made my debut down at probably South End. I think it was anyway. We lost. And I managed to get booked, and we lost for the first time that season. And I think I missed my train home because I went straight from there back to York. But then the first home game, we was all given our complimentary tickets. And I had some friends of ours, his father lived down there. And he, we got in touch with him and, would you like some complimentaries? I'll leave you some tickets for the game. So he said yes. So we gets in my first home game and we're in the dressing room. And Graham came around or he'd maybe got one or other blokes to anyway to give you complimentary tickets to take out. Well, if you weren't familiar with the Watford ground in them days, there was like a tunnel at the back, but it wasn't a tunnel, it was just a narrow passage. And then you walked up about 12, 15 stairs to a entrance where there was a guy who I thought you gave your complimentary tickets to people who used to come and get them off him. So I'm walking out of the dressing room and down, and I'm going down this passage and walking towards me was. The chairman, Elton John, with Roger Stewart. So Elton John puts his hand out and stops me and he said, um, turns to Roger Stewart and he said, this is Brian Pollard. We've just signed him from your city. How are you doing kind of thing? And uh, he said to me, chairman, and he said, I don't suppose I have to introduce you to this bloke, do I? And I said, no, I've always been a fan of Billy Fury. And I thought to myself, what have you said that for? Anyway, I walked up with my tickets left him, went back into the dressing room, knowing that he would be there with the chairman. And we had a little room about a bit bigger than the living room where you used to just kick a ball about to get warmed up, what have you. Anyway, I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, what, what an idiot. Anyway, yeah, went in there and he's only in there was Rod Stewart because he, like, he fancied himself a bit as a player. And immediately knocked his ball and that was it. It's fine. But I was so embarrassed. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that second season you had at Watford, I mean, another promotion. Yeah. Also, you had this incredible yeah. run in the uh, the League Cup where you got to the semi-finals. Yeah, Man United en route, 2-1 at Old Trafford. Yeah. I mean, it's OK having good players, but you must have had great team spirit as well to, to kind of be able to play these sides at another level and beat them. Yeah, well, unbelievable. I mean, Luther had just broken into the side then as well. So, I mean, there was no, no shortage of talent, but we were all sort of committed to one another. You knew that the club was going somewhere, but he, he managed to get the best out of, out of everybody. I guess as a winger, your ability to sort of assist goals and is only as good as those that you're supplying it to. I mean, Luther Blissett and Ross Jenkins must have made that job so much easier for you because they were both obviously, uh, you know, natural goal scorers. Yeah, I mean, Luther was a was a young lad when I went, and Luther was playing on right wing. And basically, later times when I saw Graham Taylor down at Watford, he got me to to replace Luther, so Luther could learn how to play on the wing. And then he went and played Luther down the front. This is how he built his side, Graham. Yeah, Luther was a young lad coming through, but he didn't hesitate in leaving you out or putting you on a bench or what have you. You know, if he felt it was right for the team, he, he always did what was right. And he, he was 99% nearly always right. Graham was superb. I don't think there's anybody would have a word said against him. If he didn't particularly fancy you, but you were part of his squad, if he knew he was going to do a job, you were in. You know, he, he didn't particularly get on that well with Ross Jenkins. But he knew Ross would get him goals, so, you know, he was there, he was in there every week. He didn't let things like that 
upset him. He picked what he was considering his best side, depending on you, who you were playing, of course. And if it, it, sometimes, sometimes if you'd played what, what you thought was good, he, he fancied somebody else there, he'd leave you out. It was simple as that. I mean, he, he, he always had clubs where the club was going it was his main priority. Well, I'll tell you this quite briefly. When we won the promotion from the fourth, we, we won it easy, which you just said. And then when we won promotion again, Elton John had bought all the players Rolex watches and had them, I think he had them engraved. And because we didn't win the title, Taylor said, no, they can't have them. And he wouldn't let him give us them. So what he ever did with all them watches, he'll probably get given them back. I don't know, but that's what Graham was like. But then when we went, when I was asked down a few years before he died, I was asked down to go and do a bit of a speech on the pitch half time and all this answer questions and Graham was in this lounge thing wherever it was and he just said I was one of your ex-players here and he'd he said well I'll be with them in a minute he turned and he saw it was me and immediately left and came over and sat with me and Judy for about 10 minutes talking away and then we'd seen Elton John as well and he asked he asked after the kids by by their own name. That's how well, how much they thought of the club. They took the, the effort to know the players and the families. It was really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a real sort of community sort of spirit within that club then. Oh, it would, without without a doubt, it was. I mean, your thanks for getting promoted with, with Watford was for Taylor to move you on to, to Mansfield. Were you disappointed not to be given sort of more opportunities to prove yourself in Division 2? Because like you said earlier, you know, you um, wanted to kind of get to the top, really. Graham Taylor called me in. And he said, Mansfield are, are interested. I had also done my knee for the first time before this. And he said that Mansfield were interested in me. It's a lot nearer to where you're from. And I'm quite happy for you to stay at Watford. But I just thought it'd be the right thing to let you at least chat to them if you want to. So that's what happened. I went across, went down to Mansfield, me and Judy. And I had thought, manager at the time was Mick a lad, a bloke, Mick Jones, but it wasn't the one that was a Leeds centre forward. He, he was a centre half. I can't think who he played for. Anyway, he showed us round Mansfield, which if you've never been is an experience. And then we sort of sat, we sat down, sat down and had terms. So he sort of said, well, have a chat with you, see what you think. So I'd said to Judy, look, I don't want to turn around and say no like that. But I don't want to, you know, I'll, I'll do it the nice way. I'll. So he says, right, well, blah, blah, blah. He said something. So I said, no, no. I, that's what I said to Judy. I would ask for silly money. He's bound to say no. So then we'll just go back to Watford. I'll go back home and I'll fight for my place, which I, which I would have done. So I asked for this silly money. And he went and said, yeah, OK. So I thought, oh, well, that's that then. So I went to Mansfield. Because they paid, you know, £45,000 for you, which, which back then was, was a lot of money, you know. But they were in Division 3, meaning you moved down a division, but then they got relegated yeah. to Division 4. So kind of meaning you'd gone up yeah. the leagues and back down the leagues in a couple of years. I mean, do you regret yeah. that move now, looking back, even though you got the silly money yeah. that you asked for? Oh, I do. At the time, I think Wil- Wimbledon had, had shown interest as well. But as I said to you just, just a minute ago, Taylor was quite happy for me to have stayed and fought for my place. He just thought, as a family, we might be happier. I don't know why, but... So I thought, well, I'll let them down rather than saying no, I'll ask for silly money. So that, that sort of made it worthwhile. But looking over my career, it wasn't the best move. I mean, I had them both at York first time round. And then to have two promotions year after, one after another with Watford, and then go to Mansfield, and then you get relegated. But it was one of them things. You, you, 
you take your chance and it, it, it just never happened. It didn't help that he started to play me up alongside a centre-forward called Terry Austin at uh, Mansfield. So, like, as an inside forward rather than playing me on the wing. So that didn't sort of help me. I mean, after leaving Mansfield, you, I think you played once for Blackpool and then you had like a month-long trial at, at York City. I mean, was that a bit insulting? Because, I mean, this is all before my time, but I kind of look at it in black and white terms and sort of think, after what your career had been so far, to kind of have to go on trial to a club you'd already kind of proven yourself at seemed a bit bizarre to me. I'd had the knee, knee injury for the first time and that, that was a bit of an issue. As you say, getting released from Mansfield, again, that was just basically down to wages. The can't afford to pay them, so that was it. So I'd been to Blackpool with Dennis Wong, and I was subbed the first game of the season at Scunthorpe. And coming back, the manager pulled us on the bus and he said, that, don't know if you're interested, we, we might be able to offer you a full-time contract, but he said, York City want to speak to you. And unbeknown to me, Dennis Wong had had a little bit to do with it because he was big friends with Barry Lyons and Barry Lyons was manager at the time at York. I got I got a phone call and, and basically in a nutshell he says, will you come and have a, a month's trial? So I travelled with a lad called Mick Laverick who lived at Ollerton, which is not far from Mansfield and we played away. I think it was Aldershot and we'd won. I'd had a good game and he said, we'll sign you on the bus coming home. So it looks like we're going back to York, which which we, we did eventually. I mean, that, that first season back there, I think you had three managers, the last being Dennis Smith. What changes yeah. did he sort of make? And, and you've played for a lot of good managers over your career. Where, where does he rank? Because obviously in York City terms, he's one of the best managers ever. Where does he rank for you? For me personally, I think a lot of credit should go to Viv Busby because he had more of an influence on the pitch. Plus he was like, although he played or he was sub, Dennis Smith at the time was playing all the time at centre-half. I can't take anything away from Dennis Smith, what he did as a player. But for me personally, it wasn't a matter of not liking me, but he got his ideas on somebody else playing there. Because if you think about it, and I'm saying if you think about it, you probably know. I ended, uh, I ended up playing on left wing and Gary Ford was on the right, which I, wasn't, I was quite happy with. I mean, I could use my left foot. Didn't always go whether it was supposed to, but I could shoot or cross it as hard with that foot on my right. But as I say, I didn't always know where it was going. But we did all right, didn't we? I mean, we got promotion. Well, and that's it. And the season before that, I mean, 82, 83, I think York came mm. seventh, but they've got 100 goals League and Cup. I mean, you got 19 of them, yeah. including two in one yeah. win over Mansfield, which I thought, looking again, looking black and white, sense, that must have been a real sweet to, to kind of get two against Mansfield and given, given you kind of yeah. history with them. That's got a fair few goals. But having said that, uh, there, was, there was about half a dozen was maybe penalties because they put me on penalties for a while anyway. But yeah, I mean, I thought I thought everything was, was yeah, we're all right here. But he, he, he just turned around at the end of that season and said, we've got Alan Pearce and um, we want to give him a go. So you, you're free to look elsewhere. Yeah, because that, that was that was the 83-84 season I mean, you're talking about there, isn't it? First time any club had ever got over 100 points. You know, record smash with the most wins, 31. Away wins, 13. Most goals, 96. I think mean, you got six yeah. goals that season. I mean, a little bit like the Watford... Yeah. 
record-breaking season, wasn't it? I mean, it must have been incredible. We'll come on to your departure in a minute, but it must have been incredible to be part of that side and that, that incredible season. Yeah, I was lucky in that I, I had so many promotions throughout my career. Uh, yes, I had about three three relegations, maybe, but it, it's something you sort of can feel proud about, that you were part of that part of these teams but it was it came as a bit of a shock to know that I might be surplus to use I can say looking at it from the outside I mean you all right you you only got six goals in the 83 84 season but you played most games and the season before you had 19 which is which is an incredible effort across your two spells as well 302 appearances 68 goals two promotions what was your favorite moment looking back at Booth and Crescent what what was the one thing that you look back and think oh you know that was that was a pinnacle for me I wouldn't say anything was a particular pinnacle. I enjoyed my first spell at York growing up with and the achievements and teams that we played against. When we came back to York, it, it was slightly different. It was awkward for me in a way, but we was glad, just glad of the club, to be honest. And the fact it was York was was, was pretty cool. But yeah, I, I look back on it now and if somebody should say, well, which was your best spell at York? I would have to say the first spell there. But like you say, from a goal-scoring point of view, in them two seasons, I got 26 goals, something like that. You're sort of saying there that you were effectively forced out, really, at the end. I mean, was that was that difficult to take? And and I'd imagine that you'd probably have some regrets, the fact that, you know, the following couple of seasons, York City went on these good cup runs, didn't they, against Arsenal and Liverpool, and you kind of missed out on that. Yeah, no, that didn't. That didn't bother me. The thing was, I'd done my knee for the second time, and that that was my biggest concern. Because I came back, I couldn't train every day. And if I went training, I couldn't train. I, I went and had to do, like, body work and stuff like that. And I think he used it, did Dennis Smith, as an excuse, to be fair. But as manager, they can decide they can do what they want, can't they? So I had I mean, to take it on the chin, and that was it, really. Because you had spells, didn't you, with, with like, Scarborough, Chesterfield, Hartlepool... North therapy uh, and you were still sort of relatively young weren't you was that the knee trouble then that, that was kind of causing you to oh, yeah. move, move about a bit I mean it started off with the cartilage I mean since last three years two years I've had a new knee complete and utter everything's gone now out of that, out of that leg but it was one of them you felt as if you weren't needed anymore and it sort of hurt a little bit but I mean I went and I played for Arrogate Railway, which I thoroughly enjoyed. There's some smashing lads played for them. Managed to pick up a few bob as well, like, so kept the wolves off the door, if you know what I mean. But yeah. it's not the same. Is it, was it quite hard to, to sort of transition out of football then? Because, you know, you, you play for England youth, you know, you had a great yeah. career. But but that's kind of football's all you've ever known, isn't it? And and you talk very about the injuries as well that you you're kind of picking up and and the kind of long term implications yeah. that has on your health. But people, I think people forget yeah. that, don't they? That that you you're seen as a footballer, oh, it's a great life, but you have to live with some of the consequences of playing on those heavy pitches and knee operations and and everything else. How, how did you find that coming out of football? Absolutely, it was tough, particularly when you uh, when you watch it nowadays and you see these lovely lovely pitches to play on and the mud baths that we used to play and our concrete that we used to play on if it was frozen. It's tough. I, I struggle to watch it now with the way that it's been played. So it's not very often I watch it. And and how, um, how do, you, do you kind of look at York City from afar? Have you, have you been to the new stadium or? I haven't been to the new stadium. We got invited earlier this year, but I was away. We were away in abroad for uh, at somebody's wedding. So, I haven't, I haven't been to the new stadium. 
But there was quite a lot of ill feeling towards the 70s lads. Just needed so- somebody to sort it out, I think, and, and I don't know whether that's happened now. And, um, I, don't, I don't know why they wouldn't like the lads from the 70s. Yeah, well, right. it's been fascinating for me to speak to you and Graham Crawford about, about the 1970s. So bring it to a close, really. What, what, what do you look back on? And you said you couldn't really pick a pinnacle for, for kind of York City, but is, is a, if you could press a button and go back to one point in your career, what, what would it be? There'd be several, but one of the nicest things I think happened was when quite a few at York, but there's one at Watford that when we played in a semi-final second leg against Nottingham Forest of the League Cup, Taylor took me off in the second half and Brian Clough, they ended up beating us by an odd goal, but Brian Clough was interviewed after the game and he said on telly, he said that Watford did him a favour because he took the best player off. And I thought that was nice coming from him. He, equally, Graham Taylor, he didn't make many mistakes in the game, I don't think. I mean, it was his decision to take me off, like, but it didn't work anyway. <laughs> well, Brian, it's been been fantastic to speak to you this morning. And, uh, you know, I hope you've enjoyed sort of reminiscing over some of those memories, good, good and bad. It's nice to speak to you, Dan. I hope, I hope it's of uh, interest to whoever gets to see it. I still watch for York City results as I watch for Watford and, and believe it or not, I still watch for Mansfield results. But anytime you want a chat, you're welcome. Thank you. Massive thank you to Brian Pollard there. Uh, really enjoyed speaking to him. He was someone that I was keen to get on. Another kind of bucket list sort of uh, York City player I wanted to get on the podcast. And that concludes this series of Hospital Ball. And to be honest, probably is going to be the last full series I'm going to do. Um, obviously, many people know about my own personal circumstances. It's going to be far easier, I think, for me to do kind of one-offs going forward and uh, I've already got two of those lined up so they'll just kind of come as and when um, I'm ready to kind of do the podcast so it's not the end of it but it'll just kind of go forward in a bit of a different kind of format but I really appreciate everyone's support of this series listening figures are are great as as ever it's been in Apple's sort of podcast football podcast charts for uh, a number of weeks now as well uh, which shows it competes really well against other other football podcasts which is nice to know thanks for people for rating the show on Spotify and giving us reviews on Apple and uh, as ever for people who have donated just a reminder again um, justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio is the place to donate and that can be literally you can donate 50p if you wanted or uh, £50 is, is entirely up to you but um, all donations are really well received and we need kind of funding to keep going forward Hospital Radio is nearly I think it's approaching 60 years soon so you know it's provided a service for a very long time and we want to kind of keep that going for as long as possible Finally from me, like I said, uh, there will be some specials coming out soon. I'll post details on Twitter and Facebook as and when I've got those um, finalised. I'm always a little bit superstitious. I don't really like to announce anything until I've had it kind of um, properly recorded and edited and and know that it actually exists rather than kind of tempting fate, saying we're going to have someone on the podcast and then for whatever reason it doesn't doesn't happen. But we'll be coming out with details very soon. Uh, So until then, thank you very much.